You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today's episode, Lindsay and I are answering some of your biggest photography questions. Everything from upgrading gear, how to prepare to shoot a wedding day, how to charge for travel if you're traveling for photography, how to find a trustworthy second shooter, how to location scout, how to build a converting photography website, and more. It is a loaded episode, but also we want to be fully transparent here. We can basically guarantee that any photography question you have ever asked is answered in our photo major course. We are not trying to be sleazy saleswomen in any way. We just genuinely want to let you know that we have poured hours, days, weeks, months, years, learning, failing, outlining, creating, and perfecting a comprehensive course for photographers that will help you from beginning to end build, scale, market, and sustain a successful photography business. So if you don't want to invest in the photo major and would rather just nibble on the free crumbs from this podcast, by all means, please do that. They are very yummy crumbs, (laughs) but we just wanted to make sure that you at least knew that we have an entire course in depth on all things photography business, and it is a game changer. We have over 700 students in that course with hundreds of raving reviews. So yeah, it it works. <laughs> anyway, we're going through and we're going to answer a bunch of your photography-specific questions, but just so you know, there is way more where this comes from. All right, let's get started. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, photography Q&A coming up. Biggest answers to your questions that you guys ask us again and again and again are coming up. I'm excited. And like Evie said in the intro, we have an entire photography course that goes into very depth, very depth, that doesn't make sense, but you get it, Um, on a lot of these questions that are asked. Um, so for every question, if it does, if it does have a section in our photography course that is correlated, we're just gonna like share where it is. So that way, like you can kind of get a fuller picture of what exactly is in this course, but yeah. while still giving you like actual good free education right now. Yeah. We're gonna answer like with a, a little like glimpse of like here's what we would answer on a free podcast. But also if you want like a full in-depth answer to that question as well, we also have that in our course. So you're going to get an answer, but then also more information on where you can find even more. So, All yeah. right. So the first question, Eva asks, gear must-haves when first starting out. That's, okay, so um, for me, I'll say what I did. So when I started out, I used a Canon Rebel T3 uh, with a 50 millimeter 1.8, which I believe is called the Nifty 50 because it's like <laughs> 100 bucks, and it gives you a pretty low aperture for only being 100 bucks. Um, yeah. So that's what I started out with. It was a crop sensor camera, mm-hmm. which just means it's not full frame. So it can't like, I don't, in, in like simple terms, I don't know how to describe that. It's like, it like, would you, how do you explain crop sensor? I mean, a crop sensor just, it, it 
crops it down. It's like so if you're shooting in. with a 35, it's actually technically looking like what a 50 millimeter would look like on a full frame. Yes. And it doesn't have the quality or the dark capabilities right. or anything like that. So it's just a, a beginner camera as a crop sensor. Which but. is what a lot of people, I think, start off with unless you're Absolutely. awesome and you just jump to full frame. But yeah. after that, I transitioned to a Canon 6D, which is a full frame. And then I upgraded my lens to a Sigma 35 millimeter, uh, which I loved until it wasn't great. Um, <laughs> Sigma there is some issues with like getting fuzzy and I always like rolled my eyes when people said that and then it happened to me and I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So then now the last upgrade I did is, which is continually the, still the gear that I use now is a Canon 5D Mark IV with a Canon 35 millimeter and a Canon 50 millimeter. I have other lenses, but those are like my go-tos that I use. Um. And even though the Canon 35 is a lot better of a lens, or sorry, a lot more expensive of a lens than the Sigma 35. Like at the beginning, they look exactly the same. However, I just did notice like the decrease in time of the Sigma 35 just because it was a cheaper lens and it got just broken faster, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started out when I was first shooting, I was working with my parents' uh, Canon Power Shot, like a glorified point and shoot for the first like six to eight months of photography. And I was just like out there trying to like shoot self-portraits and any friends and siblings and anybody who would get in front of my camera. Um, And then I had saved up a ton of money from my childhood. I really didn't spend much money as a kid. So I immediately then purchased the Canon 60D, which I believe is now discontinued and no longer sold. But it's basically like a crop sensor. It's kind of like a step above the Canon Rebels, but a step below like a 60 or a Mark II, III, IV, whatever. and I had a 50 millimeter 1.8 as well, and then a Sigma 35 1.4. And then I upgraded at that point to, I believe, a five, Canon 5D Mark III. And now I shoot with uh, Canon 5D Mark IVs as well. And my main go-to lenses are my Canon 35 1.4 and my Canon 24 to 70 1.8. And I love those too. I love my 50 millimeter, but I've noticed for like, just, I tend to reach for my 24 to 70 a little bit more, which I was a little shocked at that I started noticing I was doing that. But I love my 50 millimeter for like wedding days and things, but I really love my 35 and my 24 to 70. And then obviously I have other lenses as well on wedding days, but those are my main two or three that I shoot with these days. So yeah, those are our recommendation. I think like must haves for first starting out would be just, you don't have to have the best gear starting out. Like Lindsay and I started with crop sensor cameras and really like got the hang of composing and working with our cameras and all of that before we really began to upgrade. Um, But I would say like, if I talk to like beginner photographers nowadays, I'm almost always recommending either a 50 millimeter, like a nifty 50, like 51.8 or like a 35 millimeter, just because those are some solid lenses that are going to make your look work look really good. I do not recommend kit lenses when you're first starting out. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. No. (laughs) You can be the most talented photographer (laughs) on the face of a planet. You could be freaking Picasso. And if you use a kit lens, it will look like a kindergartner shot it. I'm just going to say. I actually though would love to see someday like some, like I almost want to go back and try like creating good work on a kit lens or something and see if like you can make, like do something. Okay. You probably can. (laughs) I'm just being dramatic. But seriously, (laughs) we don't recommend like a kit lens. And a 
target lens is like an 18 to 55 millimeter that's going to come with With like, like a four aperture, which is crap. Yeah. So just recommend. Like, At least for I, shooting people. Yeah. I would just recommend going for like a, a prime lens, like a 51.8 or a 35, you know, whatever. So those are some recommendations yeah. to yeah. start off with. And then in our course, we do have PDFs in the course on our favorite gear and software that we use in our photography businesses. So that goes into a lot more depth, like what batteries do we use on our flashes? What flashes do we use? What hard drives do we use? What SD cards do we use? So we have all of that. And then also what software we recommend for a photography business. So that is all in the course as well. The PDF is called Our Favorite Equipment and uh, the other PDF is Software Photographer Needs. And those are both in season one of the photo major. Perfect. All right, next question. Shelby from Wild Peak Photo asks, how do you know when to upgrade gear? That's a great follow-up question to the gear question. Yes, (laughs) I love it. Okay, so Shelby, great question. We both recommend upgrading your gear when it's no longer serving you to its fullest capabilities, it's malfunctioning, or you're noticing that you're severely being limited by the gear that you're shooting on. Yeah. I would say also something else we recommend is replacing your SD cards every year to a year and a half, um, mainly because you never want an SD card to crap out on you, especially if you're a wedding photographer. Yeah. And typically, the older an SD card is, just the more likely it is to crap out on you. So it's almost one of those situations where you would rather upgrade before it breaks than yeah. wait till it breaks. Um, so we just recommend yeah. switching all of those cards out, like making it like a yearly expense or a year yeah. and a half lease spent expense. Yeah, you're just mitigating risks as much as possible. And that goes for both SD cards and CF cards, so compact flash cards. Um, Yeah. You're basically just any memory cards that you have. Try to replace those regularly. Um, You can do them every year or, you know, if you want to extend a little bit more. I actually was DMing with a girl recently when I I shared, like, my gear as I was packing up for a wedding or something. And I said, like, just replace all my SD cards, like, or memory cards, blah, blah. And she was like, I do it after every session. And I was like, oh my gosh. She's like, I know it's expensive, but like my anxiety just can't handle it. I was like, well, that's a little unnecessary. She's like, I know. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, that would be so expensive. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to do that after every session, but uh, at least every year or so, because the more you use a card and like wipe it and format it and shoot on it and wipe it and format it and like all that stuff, you're just basically wearing it down. So you're trying to make sure it's staying as fresh as possible because not losing photos is ideal. <laughs> yes. And like we said, we have those PDFs, which are the same ones that we just said from the previous question. Yeah. Just because this kind of covers like gear, which that yes. part is in the course. Yeah. So. And then getting your, I want to throw in here too, getting your cameras and your lenses like calibrated and cleaned and serviced oh, yeah. uh, about every year at least is also really good. So if you have Canon lenses or something, you send those in to be calibrated and cleaned and serviced and all of that stuff. So recommend that at least every year, every six months if you're shooting a lot. Um, so just something else to throw out there is not necessarily a gear upgrade, but a gear maintenance that will keep you from having to upgrade and or lose stuff. So, mm-hmm. all right. Next question is Harley from Photo Delphia. Oh, that's cool. Photodelphia Studio. I know. I wrote that and I was like, whoa, that's like a pun for Philadelphia. Photodelphia. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Harley asks, how do you prepare for a wedding day? Any must-haves? Lindsay, you want to take this one? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we do have an episode on this in the course. It's in season two, episode four. It's called Weddings 101. And then we also have a PDF for uh, wedding questionnaire templates in season two as well. Um, so we're going to give you nuggets, but in general, 
that episode and that PDF gives you a wedding questionnaire. And then that episode literally covers like everything we do before a wedding day, on a wedding day to prepare to make it the best day ever. So um, some advice that I have would be to lay your outfit and your gear out the night before and then make sure before the day of that your gear is fully charged. That seems like a no-brainer, but I know for me, like my... uh, my, what am I saying? My flash batteries take like a few days between all of them to charge. So I have to have that in mind like two to three days in advance of the wedding day to like start plugging those in and really making sure they're charged. Yep. Yeah. And then having a family shot list uh, and your couple's questionnaire, like any details like that, either printed or screenshot on your phone, um, along with like the timeline and any other information that you would need. Basically having that all on hand, you've looked through it, everything's looking good. You've mapped everything out, like where you need to be and when and how long it's going to take you to commute there and extra time and all that stuff. And then- Packing water and snacks. Yes. (laughs) I feel like I'm the worst at this, especially with the water part. Um, But like, you know, you're on your feet all day. You're going to get, I mean, if you eat, you're going to probably eventually eat at the dinner. But like, if you get there at like 10 a.m., where's your lunch, honey? Like, you got to pack that yourself usually. And so just pack snacks and water so you're nourished and happy all day. Yes. And again, season two, episode four, Weddings 101, and then the PDF in season two as well for wedding questionnaires. That will go a lot more into depth on weddings Mm -hmm. and wedding days and how we prep and how we handle and all of that stuff. And the exact questionnaire that we send our couples. Yes. Okay. Next question, Ava asks, how to charge for travel? So there are a couple of things that we could say. I would say that there's two different. So we're in general, like I said, this is covered in season four, episode five, which is called So You Want to Be a Destination Photographer. Um, we talk about like pricing your photography for travel. We also have a pricing episode in general just for like local stuff as well, just for pricing structure. I believe that's in season two. But um, in general, I think there's two different ways to charge travel specifically as a photographer. And I think it depends on what works best for you, your business, your ideal client, and then your city and market that you live in. Like, for example, I charged my travel differently when I lived in Hawaii versus where I'm now living now, which is Kansas. Um, And so the first way I would say is have your normal prices on like your pricing guide, right? And then a separate travel price that includes your travel fees for anywhere outside of your local city or local area. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think For this, the benefit of this is it makes it easier for your couple because they don't have to worry about what the travel fees are going to have. Like, it's all inclusive. Like, the price that they see if they are charging or if they're booking you for something outside of where you live, which would be considered, like, destination, then it's all inclusive. Like, so that's, I think, the benefit of way one. Yeah. (laughs) And then I think way two is have your normal prices and then charge just literally exactly itemized, like, what would be the travel to said location, which yeah. is like airfare, lodging, transportation, et cetera. So that is yeah. like more like a custom quote almost, I feel like. And the the pro to that is that your customer or your client knows that you're only charging what is necessary. Yeah. So, you know, for example, if it's all inclusive and you're traveling, let's say me here living in like Southern California and I'm flying up to Seattle, Washington, those flights are ridiculously cheap compared to if I'm flying to Hawaii or to Vermont or something like that. And so, yes, it's all inclusive, but the customer on the way to knows that I'm only actually charging them for their travel fees. So they're not paying any extra or any less. Right. Like they're they're getting the fair rate. So I would only recommend, both. yeah, I would only recommend way one if you live in an area where it is a roughly the same amount to fly kind of 
anywhere. Yeah. So for example, when I lived in Hawaii, I did way one. I don't know why I called them way one and way two, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Option basically one. Basically <laughs> pricing, yeah, structure one, which is to have like normal base rates for Hawaii and then travel rates. And I did that because tra- traveling from Hawaii to almost anywhere in the mainland was roughly the same amount. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. Um, and that's so. just a personal preference there. People also have, I know some photographers really believe in option one because their customers don't have to like, it doesn't feel like it's another tacked on expense. But I feel like my my clients from the feedback that I've gotten, I think clients really like seeing the tacked on expense because then they know it's like an itemized receipt where they're not just seeing, oh, it's five grand. They're like, oh, the wedding part is, you know, 4,200 and then it's 800 for all the travel fees. Okay. That makes sense. So I, I see pros and cons to both. So it's just kind of what you would prefer to do, but we recommend option two, the majority of the time, but we go way more in depth. It depends. (laughs) Yeah. It depends on your client, but like she said, we go in depth on that in, so you want to be a destination photographer in the course, um, as well as our pricing episode. That's season four, episode five, um, in the course. Okay. Moving on. Next question. Lindsay, do you want to ask it? Angela asks, how to find good locations for pics in a city that you've never been before? Angela, that is a great question. We have say, a lot to say. <laughs> I, I, it's, I have a wild answer for you. Are you ready for it? Scout. <laughs> She's probably like, okay, duh. But like, how do I do it in advance? I get that. Okay, so I would say get there early if you can and drive around looking for places. Like it, it sounds simple, but it's like literally get in your car. Yeah. And drive around. Maybe do some Googling first. Like literally after we podcast today, I literally have to go scout. I'm in Louisville yeah. right now. Or is that, that's probably not how you say it. It's like Louisville. I don't know how to say <laughs> Louisville. Whatever. I'm in Kentucky. Anyways, <laughs> and I have a sunrise session tomorrow. So this is a great real-time example. I've not really been to Louisville like ever. Yeah. Um, so today after we're done podcasting, me and my husband and our friends are going to go, I'm going to research like some parks or just like some areas yeah. around Louisville. And then we're going to go check them out. Yeah. Um, so that's a great example of like, I've never been here before, but I'm going to get in my car. I use my eyes and find yeah. places that I love that would be great visually yeah. for uh, a session. And pay attention with that, like to what's your style? Is it more urban or more outdoorsy? Like what's the vibe that you're going for for the shoe? And if it's more like outdoorsy or or more like urban, like look for public places where you won't be trespass- trespassing, but are maybe a little bit off the beaten path, like a, a cool vibey alley that's maybe not like on a main street, but like it has that cool like urban industrial vibe that you're going for. Or like a a woodsy park that you can like go to that's a little bit more out of the, off the beaten path and not like a public park with a swing set and manicured grass that's not the vibe that you're going for. (laughs) Like be willing to think outside of the box when you're looking around and to take little trails and, you know, to explore, like obviously be safe, but like explore that alley and what it looks like and, you know, have somebody with you or whatever. Like I'm not trying to encourage women to go alone exploring alleys, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like just pay attention to things that you might not have normally thought of to try to find those cool locations. Mm Mm-hmm. Something else we recommend is using Google Earth. Now, that's different than Google Maps. Google Earth is like a satellite. It's like in-depth where you can like zoom in and research locations and then literally like look at them from like a a bird's eye view. Well, you can also drop down in and see like what does it look like from the ground typically to be like, oh, is that actually a trail or is that a deer path? (laughs) You can do that technically on Google Maps, but Google Satellite or sorry, Google Earth is like so much more in-depth. Like it's meant for looking at things like this. And so highly recommend that if you are not able to look at something in person before you get there. Yep. 
And then the next one is to ask friends or social media people who live in that area um, for recommendations. But our caveat to this is to take this one lightly and to only ask genuine friends or people who you know. Um, just be aware that in the photography industry, reaching out to other photographers in the area, if you don't know them or aren't their good friends and ask for some of their best shooting locations is not the best thing to do in the photography industry. Yeah. Um, there's There's some controversy over it of like, whether or not photographers should be giving out their shoot locations for free. But in my opinion, no. Um, that's expecting a photographer to give out their hard-earned scouting for free. And a lot of photographers, especially in like busy populated areas, um, are already struggling to find places where it's not overpopulated and there aren't five other shoots going on at the same time or it looks different than where everyone else is shooting. Um, and so sometimes it's really discouraging when people are just like, demanding like coming into their know. city and yeah. being like hey where do you where did you shoot this i want to shoot i have a shoot and it's yeah. like well do your own research so that's why we like wanted to say that is an option but i usually only do that for close friends yeah and i sometimes i even ask people that aren't photographers like hey just where's a good like i'll describe like the type of thing that i'm looking for yeah and then i'll ask a friend um yeah whereas i'm not gonna like dm a popular photographer in this city like i'm not gonna go to a, like a louisville photographer and be like where's this i yeah. want i want it like yeah. no that's <laughs> I'm going to do the work and I'm going to scout myself. Yeah. So just an encouragement. Like you can absolutely reach out to people, but just be aware of kind of like the etiquette within the photography world and um, ask a friend if you can, or just go out and scout. That's the biggest thing. And we really encourage getting out and scouting because it familiarizes yourself with the lay of the land. It helps you to have creative eye ahead of time to think through, you know, what is this going to look like? How can I make this like super cool? And where's the sun going to be? Like all of that type of things will help you just getting out and getting your feet on the ground and, and scouting it as much as possible. Get there early. So yeah. yeah. Photographers, listen up. Do you struggle with editing in Lightroom? Are you confused as heck about organizing catalogs, backing up your images, calling takes you actual ages, and editing as a whole just leaves you feeling discouraged and frustrated and maybe bored too? If that is you, consider us a Santa on Christmas morning because we have a completely free Lightroom challenge for you that walks you through everything we just mentioned, including a bunch of tricks and hacks that make editing in Lightroom a million times easier and faster. The challenge includes five videos, roughly 30 to 50 minutes each of Evie and I tackling some of the trickiest topics on editing and teaching you exactly how we use Lightroom to edit drool-worthy photos. We cover our favorite tools within Lightroom that will change your editing game, and we teach you how we import Cole, upload, backup, and catalog our photos in a way that is efficient, fast, and reliable. You don't want to miss this challenge, my friend. And if your editing needs a refresh and you just want to know how we edit our photos, this is the place to be. Sign up and join the challenge at theheartuniversity.com forward slash challenge. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash challenge. And we can't wait to see you there. Do you feel like every time you send an email to an inquiring client, there's crickets? You're never getting clients to respond back to you and you're just sitting there like, what the heck am I doing wrong? Well, my friend, we're about to solve your problem full free. Did you know that the most important part of the very first email you send an inquiry is your pricing guide? <gasps> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yes, and your pricing guide should be an avalanche of professional excellence, details, problem solving, and information for your ideal client. They should walk away from that pricing guide asking, where the heck has this person been in my whole life? Now, if your pricing guide isn't leaving your clients in awe, then you need to change it. 
Now, we are about to help you do just that with our free guide, Seven Essentials to Include in Your Pricing Guide. If you are ready to level up and prove your value to your clients, you need this. Head to theheartuniversity.com forward slash guide dash freebie to snag it. Theheartuniversity.com forward slash guide dash freebie. And then I feel like this this question exactly is not in the course. Like how, how do I find a good location for a city I've never been in? Like we don't look at that question and answer it directly in the course. However, that question deals a lot with just finding good locations, creating work that is cohesive to your style, having good work in general, and then like coordinating that with your clients. So here's a bunch of different episodes that we have in the course that kind of touch on that in general. So in season two, episode five, we have an episode called Creating Cohesive Work. So that really talks about how can you curate your own portfolio in a way, like when you shoot to make a style that feels like you. Like I look like an example, I look at like Kaylee from Kansas and every time I see her photos, I know exactly it's her. Like that's the goal. Like you want work that like stands out and it's like, oh, I know that that's her without her name being, even being attached to it. So uh, that's what we teach in that episode. We also have another episode in season two, episode eight, called Styling Your Clients, which helps on helping your clients know what to wear and help helping them, basically assisting them with wardrobe because you can have a great location, but then their wardrobe like is whack, just being honest. And it like ruins everything. Like it, it distracts from the the overall picture of the image. And your clients might not know that. They might love that outfit, but they might not know that that doesn't look good in that place. So mm-hmm. that episode covers that. Uh, We also have another episode. We already covered this, but season four, episode five. So you want to be a destination photographer. That again talks about like shooting and scouting in uh, locations that are not where you live. Um, And then lastly, we have an outfit guide template that's free. Well, it's not free. It's included in the course. um, And that is a template that you can use to create an outfit guide PDF that you can then give your couples or Mm -hmm. your clients. Doesn't have to be a couple. Amen. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Alicia asks, posing tips for single portrait shoots. Oh, we have a lot to say. Okay. Uh, Here's the deal. We have an entire posing season in the course. And you can actually buy the posing season itself as its own course. So if you wanted just the posing section of the photo major, you could get the posing minor, which is what it's called. Yes. And it is in-depth. So we have an entire like 45-minute in the field shoot a senior portrait or like a solo portrait session with me uh, that's like super in-depth. So it's kind of hard. Like this question, we're just going to give you some little nuggets and some tidbits, but there is 45 minutes like, of I'm training. not kidding. Like <laughs> it's literally as if you were standing behind Evie on yeah. a senior shoot and yeah. just watching her do the whole thing. Plus yep. like tips at the beginning that we give specifically yeah. for seniors. Yep. And yeah. We have a lot, I have a lot to say, but uh, make them comfortable. That's the biggest thing is you want to make them comfortable. Sometimes that means work ahead of time. Sometimes that means how you're communicating with them in the moment. Encourage them, praise them. No good angles. Ask that question, especially for like seniors or like portraits and stuff. Be like, do you have a good side that you prefer? Do you, is there anything that you're, you know, insecure about that you would like me to work around or anything like that? Play music. Uh, 
number one tip for posing in general, but especially for solo portraits, play music, have them move. That's the biggest thing. Add a lot of movement, have them spin, play with their hair, walk towards you, skip towards you, play with their outfit, twirl their skirt. Uh, For dudes, put their hands in and out of their pockets, you know, button up their, their cufflinks or, you know, whatever. There's a lot that you can have people do where you add in movement and it helps Mm -hmm. create a more natural and relaxed environment instead of like stiff, awkward posing. And music also really helps with that. So I think people think that like, oh, if they're, if I'm only shooting one person and they don't have anybody to interact with, then like what, they just stand there. But like, no, you can still give them prompts, give them direction, include movement in that. And we give a crap ton of prompts. I mean, you'll, you literally watch Evie just like give a girl (laughs) for like 45 minutes. So that's in the course in it's in it's it's season five, episode four for senior portraits. Um, and in that season, we also have another like all of these episodes are 45 minutes long. The seniors, we have another one that's for families. We have another one that's for um couples. We have another one that's for wedding couples. So like on the day of in wedding attire. And then we also have one for wedding party. um wedding parties. So that's packed. That's literally just one season. Of the po- or of the photo major, and then obviously <laughs> you can just buy that season solo as well. Um, just because posing is something so specific that usually people, if they want one thing, that's usually like that because it is so specific. That's literally just like a fraction of the course. So, wow. <laughs> anyways, um, all right, moving like on. We need to like hurry up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Ava asks how to find a second shooter who's trustworthy, reliable, and how to go about doing that. Lindsay, you mm. want to tackle that one? Yeah. Okay. I would say. That's two different questions almost, like how to find them and then also how to know they're trustworthy and reliable. So how to find them, I would recommend Facebook, Instagram, just social media in general, reaching out, asking questions, networking, um, asking in photography groups, especially like photography groups that are city specific to your city, networking in your city, going to like wedding vendor events um, or like searching hashtags on social excuse me, hashtags on social media, um, which kind of deals with social media in general. Like you could literally type in like second shooter needed or something like that. Um, Or another option is to pick somebody who you know has an eye for something, but that wants to be a photographer and you could train them under you to then be a second shooter. That's another option. Obviously that requires more work, but if you do that option, then you can, I think, more ensure that they would be trustworthy and reliable because you yourself are training them. Yeah, but just a caveat to that. Make sure you're not uh, having your clients ask for like a professional second shooter or like a good second shooter and you have a beginner and their photos don't turn out at all. And like have somebody come, train somebody on weddings where like you just ask the bride, hey, I'm training somebody. I have a, you know, a trainee. Can I, is it okay if they come help me shoot your wedding or something like that? I would have a trainee (laughs) come on a wedding that doesn't require a second shooter and they're not paying for a second shooter or just to sessions. Just, or, or you don't even have to, I mean, yes, do that, but then also just like in your own time, train them. That's another option. Um, And then to know they're trustworthy and reliable, I would say like, don't just trust a random second shooter off the bat, like that you just found on the internet. I would say get to know their portfolio, ask for their experience, have them shadow you on a shoot if they're super new and want the opportunity or train them like we said. And then I would just say build a relationship with them. Like if you just actually become friends with people in your industry that are photographers and genuinely get to know them and build friendships and relationships with them, build rapport, you'll, you'll build rapport and trust before you even get to the wedding. Like you'll know if they're good and yeah. if they're like a reliable person, if you're genuine friends with them. 
That's also um, fun like that's too. What, if like if you're good friends with other photographers in your area or something, and they don't have a wedding on that day, sometimes it's really fun to sit back and be a second shooter when you're yeah. usually the main shooter. Or sometimes it's fun to work with somebody that you really love in the industry and be like, yeah, let's let's work together on this shoot or something. So just throwing out there, relationships with fellow photographers in your area is a great idea all around. <laughs> mm, yes. And then as far as diving into more of like second shooting etiquette, we cover that a ton in season one, episode four, second shooting, like how to get into second shooting as a photographer, how to handle hiring a second shooter as the main shooter, what to do and not do on the day of a wedding as a second shooter and as the main shooter leading a second shooter and a lot more. There's like a ton of information in that episode. So if you want to know more there, then you can find that in the course. Awesome. Next, Shay and Ty from the Tollefsons. I'm probably butchering that name. I I apologize. Tollefsons is probably how it is. Anyways, (laughs) uh, she asks, tips on building a bomb photography website. What should I include? Um, Loaded question. No, just kidding. (laughs) That's a really great question, but it is a question that is hard to answer very simply. So I think what I'm going to do is break down, I feel like, the pages that I recommend on a photography website. So first one is home, obvi. Um, You need a home website or a home, sorry, page just to like get people to come to your page. Um, And then I would recommend an about me that talks about you and really creates, I'm I'm like, you need a home, that's your home. You need an about me that's about you. But like an about me gets that connection. It creates connection. It like showcases who you are more than just a photographer. We also have a lot of things to say on what not to do on the about page that most photographers do, but yep. we'll get to that later. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, I would say an investment page. Don't call it pricing. Some people don't even have a pricing or investment page, and I'm like, what are you doing? Um, so investment page. Investment sounds fancier, um, and that was, was where I would lay out all your prices. I would have an experience page, which is the one that so many people don't do. Um and what I mean by experience is just like, like what, when I book you, what is, what is that going to be like? Like what, why you? Well, what basically it it's answering like the question. To work Yeah, it's answering you. the question of like, what does it look like to work with Evie? Yeah. Why Evie? Why should I pick Evie over like the other photographer down the street? Yeah. So it's like showcasing your experience, what it's going to look like. Um, I would recommend a portfolio page, but I would say that that would be optional if you also have a blog, because sometimes you could use your blog as your portfolio. So I think that's optional. But, but if you have both, we recommend both. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, a book me, which is further known as the contact page. However, I think you, if you say book me, it just is psychologically more like, I'm book ready. Me. <laughs> Dang it. Let's go. <laughs> um, and then I highly, 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 highly recommend a blog. Yes. And we have so much information on the course, in the course, on the course, on websites and how to create websites that truly convert. So season two, episode nine, websites that convert. Season two, episode 10, websites that convert continued. And it then- It was too much for one episode. It, it, we literally had to break it up into two. And what we did is, I believe episode nine is Lindsay and I sitting down and going over strategy principles. and principles and tools and all of that. And then episode Which 10- Which is more than what I just gave you. I just gave oh, you the more. pages. And now we go on that episode, like through each page yes. and like structuring like what to have on each page, what you should yep. and should not have. Copy and all of that. And then episode 10 is what I believe- was our screen recording where Lindsay and I are yeah. sitting there screen recording and we're talking to you and we're going through our websites, other people's websites, and like 
with obviously like websites that are killer and with permission showing you what we basically just talked about in episode nine and then going even more in depth on like page by page. This is good. You know, change this, make sure it's easy to navigate. There's so much. And then we have two PDFs as well. Um, the first PDF is SEO like a pro, basically going to show you how to show up on Google searches and on the internet. So people are actually like Googling, uh, Hawaii wedding photographer and you're popping up um, or whatever, insert your location. Um, And then a PDF on blogging, which is going to show you how to blog really well. So there are plenty of things in the course. um, But we will also say having a bomb website goes so far beyond just saying and having the right things on your website because your website is kind of like your storefront, your home that should showcase and highlight your brand and it should attract and repel your certain clients. So it should be attracting your ideal clients and repelling the people who aren't going to be a good fit for you slash you're not going to be a good fit for them, not going to serve them well and speak directly to who you actually want to book. So uh, Lindsay, do you want to talk about the episodes in the course that cover that? (laughs) Well, so these aren't, these are episodes that are in the course that aren't directly related to website, but but they you could are. <laughs> do you could do all of the things that we just said on a website, but if you're missing like the actual key, like brand and marketing like knowledge and strategies, then it, yeah. it's not going to connect. So these are episodes that really attribute to kind of like the whole, but especially websites. Yeah. Um, so season one, episode three is finding your brand, turning your personality into profit. Uh, season two, episode two is marketing the power of storytelling. So that's all about marketing strategy in that one. Season two, episode six, Fake It Till You Make It. That's more of a mindset episode, but also very important when it comes to marketing and putting yourself on the internet, whether it's social media or your website. Um, Season four, episode one is niche marketing. Pick your thing. That's kind of self-explanatory, but we go into the strategy of niche marketing and why and how you need to pick an ideal client. Um, Season four, episode two is client communication and experience. That sounds like that doesn't have to deal with your website. However, it, it almost deals with like the workflow of how you treat your clients, what they're experiencing from the very first time they step onto your website all the way through your experience. So yes. it all just kind of befumbles together. Befumbles. Um, which is why like this course is so meaty because so many things, especially in a photography business, it like bleeds into another. Like we can't just do a course on Instagram for photographers and not talk about the strategy that goes beyond that. We can't just do a course on websites for photographers because it, it deals with so much more than just like your website. We couldn't yeah. just do a posing course, which we do have the posing section of this course and we sell it individually. However, if you're dealing and you're wanting more like knowledge than just posing, yeah. like posing is Eyes great, in. is great like for the day of when you're actually getting those photos. But then how do you get those photos? Like, how do you market those photos? How do you put them on your website? How do you get those to really be working for you to get those ideal clients. Like it all bleeds together so easily, which is Mm -hmm. why we created this. And it's like a beast of a course. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So that was one of the final questions, but here's the deal. We're going to roll through like 10 extra bonus questions that we were like, we cannot answer all of these on one episode or we will literally be here for five hours. But these are some of the most consistently and regularly asked questions that we get that are photography related. And Lindsay and I are just going to bounce back and forth rolling through some of these questions. And every single one of these is answered in depth in the course. So just to showcase you, if you're like, well, my question wasn't answered. It's like, if this is a question that you have in your business right now, it will be solved 
in the photo major. So let's yeah. get let's get started. <laughs> All right. So the first one is how can I get started with destination weddings and elopements? I live somewhere boring, Oklahoma to be exact, and there's hardly nothing interesting here. Well, friend, I started in Kansas and oh Evie started in Ohio. So if we can do it, you can do it. <laughs> yes. Okay, next one is what's the process you have when an inquiry comes in? Do you email them a questionnaire first, have a consultation first after you first chat and send the proposal? What's next to get them to book? Oh, we walk you through step by step by step by step by step by step inquiry all the way through review at the very end of the process. I mean, it is literally nitty gritty step-by-step in the course. So yeah. Setting expectations and building trust around editing time so clients aren't asking when they'll be done and trust your process. Again, (laughs) that I think deals both with editing and it deals with client experience, which we again cover both. There's an episode on editing and there's also an episode on client experience and client communication. communication. Uh, in the course as well. Yep. Okay, next one. What is the best way to hook them after an inquiry? I get tons of interest and then crickets. Help, am I boring? Oh, we cover that so well in the course. So in-depth on how to stand out, how to hook them, how to showcase your value so that people are coming to you already ready to like hand out, like book, they're ready to go. But again, that's in the course. How to price yourself and build pricing guides. All that's in the course. We have an episode fully on pricing strategy and what you should be doing to price yourself and what you should not be doing to price yourself. Yes. Next one is Instagram growth strategies without selling your soul. We have an entire season with how many episodes, Lens? Is it like four or five? I think it's six. Oh, six. We have six episodes uh, on Instagram and specifically how to grow on Instagram, how to serve on Instagram and how to show up. So tips for hiring people to be on your team, associate photogs, videographers, et cetera. We have an entire, I think two episodes on outsourcing or yeah. at least one episode and then uh, worksheets on how to know when to outsource, how to know what to outsource. And then where do you find people? Where do you go? What's the process yeah. of hiring them? All of that also in the course. Yep. What do you tell people to wear for engagement slash couple shoots? And how do you make a style guide to send people if you don't have photos of people in great clothes yet? Uh, covered in the course. And we give you an outfit guide template so that yep. when you do have photos, which we teach you how to get, yep. uh, you will be able to fill them and have that pricing guide all available to you. Yes. And then lastly, how do you manage to get such candid raw photos of clients? Again, an entire six-episode season in the full course called, well, it's the posing episode (laughs) or the the posing season. But I said it before, uh, there's a breakdown of like full-on episodes that cover posing couples, families, seniors, uh, wedding couples, and wedding parties. So it's, if you watch just that season alone, you would watch probably over six hours of content. Yeah. It's a lot. It's meaty. (laughs) I think we just kind of wanted to like obviously answer a few of your questions, but also our biggest mission in the world and in this business is to pour into you and give you the knowledge and tools you need to kick butt in your business. And if you are a photographer who has gotten a lot out of this podcast, well, first of all, thank you for listening. (laughs) But secondly, we are genuinely not trying to be salesy. We just want to make sure that you know that we have poured so much into the photo major and into our course to help photographers truly kick butt. So if you want more education and literally blueprints and step-by-step tools and strategies and worksheets and everything you need to run your photography business the photo major was literally made for you. And if that's not your thing, that is A-okay. We love, love, love having you as a listener on this show. And we're just happy to have you here, period. But we just wanted to make sure that you know that we have created that for you and that if you need it, it's ready for you. Yeah, yeah. And I would say like, 
I feel like I'm always like nervous, not nervous, but like I always like shy away from like being super salesy on the podcast because like the podcast is meant for free education. Like we are here to give you free education and we've done that for like 134 episodes now. Um, And I hope you guys have loved every single episode. But we also just wanted to say, if you're looking for more and you're ready to run a successful and thriving photography business, we'd honestly be hurting you more than helping you if we do, if we didn't tell you about the photo major because we're not kidding when it, we say it covers <laughs> everything we know and have learned on running a successful photography business from Instagram marketing to client communication to authentic candid posing to getting rave reviews from your clients to how to set up a website that actually converts to creating a brand that attracts your ideal clients to knowing how to edit your photos like an expert to pricing strategy to blogging, SEO, taxes and legalities, your backend workflow. Like honestly, I'm, I could go on. I really could go on. <laughs> and whenever we like try to like bullet point list out everything that this course covers, it's exhausting because <laughs> it's... It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, but it's everything that we know on how we started and grew our photography businesses to where they are. And so if you're even a little bit interested, you can read more student reviews and a lot more about the course at theheartuniversity.com forward slash the dash photo dash major. Um, it's also linked in the show notes as well as like the description here in the podcast episode listing or whatever. <laughs> um but we just wanted to share that with you because we love serving you guys. We know a lot of photographers follow us and just are constantly asking questions like, how do I not get ghosted? How do I get booked? How do I stand out from the crowd? Like, how do I get a website? How do I get grow on social media? And like literally every single one of those questions are answered in this course. So. Yeah, it's true. Okay, well, we hope this episode was helpful and inspiring and we are just in your corner. We hope you know that. We are cheering you on and just excited to see you continue to kick butt. And we will see you on the next episode.